two weeks ago I shared a message with you about how righteousness exalts a nation. The Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. We're going to talk some more about those principles today, and I want to direct these things to the church. And let me be completely honest. There are some things that should concern all of us as believers. I don't care what party you're a part of should concern all of us as believers with the direction that our nation is taking. If you read your paper or listen to the news, you'll recognize that some of those decisions that our nation has made, Washington State, and I believe it's uh, Colorado as well, voted to legalize the use of marijuana. I guess we don't have enough drunk drivers on the road. There's not enough drunk drivers on the road. We need to add a segment of our society that's high to the road. Our prisons don't have enough people who have made life-altering decisions while under the influence of drug or alcohol. And we don't have enough abuse victims and children in foster care because of the effects of drug abuse and families. There are not enough people already addicted to drugs. Let's have the government get involved. And we'll put a tax on it, and that will make everything all right. Our drug rehabs don't have enough clients Perhaps this is how we can jumpstart the economy. Let's legalize the use of drugs. That sounds like, wow, really, really, really wise thinking. Just Thursday, my brother told me he called in the morning. We talked probably every other day or something. And he was upset. He was at a car accident and a nurse was driving. She was driving. Her husband was following her. A gentleman had... The, he'd worked at a at Walmart distribution center, and he went to work high. And his boss took him down. They took him. They said, we're going to go down and do a drug test. Took him down to do the drug test. They took his keys. He rode with the boss. Someone else drove his vehicle. They got down there. He did the drug test. And then instead of keeping his keys, they gave his keys back to him. And his wife was there, and she's like, what are you doing? Give him his keys. He's high. And he j- drove out of the parking lot of this drug test facility, had a minor accident at the light, exchanged information with people, gets back in his car, drives down the road within a mile, and passes a a car in a no-passing zone, pulls into the way of this lady, this nurse, and hits her head on. I believe she died, but her brain's out. You know, her husband's standing there crying, sobbing, And the guy's just standing around smoking a cigarette. We need more people in our country doing drugs. That's the answer to the problems of society. We need more people to be high. Is that absurd? Is that absurd that as a government, we make the choice to legalize the use of drugs that are destroying generations of people and destroying families? Well, you've got to be concerned about it. You've got to have a little bit of concern. A number of states including Maryland, right next to us, voted to approve gay marriage. Now, I thought, isn't it something that gays are wanting to get married and heterosexual couples are refusing to marry? It blows my mind. The gays are saying, let us get married, and heterosexual couples are saying, we don't need to get married. We don't want to get married. That's something of the past. We don't need that. Let's pray before we get into our message, because you need to have a heart to hear what God wants to say to you today. 
Father God, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say to the church. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be jumping upon the bandwagon, pointing a finger at others. But as we take a look here, Lord, we would search our hearts and we would say, God, speak to me. Allow me not to believe the lies. Allow me not to buy into the deception of the thinking of this world. Turn my heart, Lord, towards you and let me honor you and live for you with everything that I have. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There is today in our society, there is a push to normalize things that God says are sin. There's a push to normalize things and to force it down the throat of the church and to force it down the throat of society. Unfortunately, the reality of it is, is you have the Lord's opinion You have righteousness and holiness and obedience over here. You have the enemy's plans and his purposes over here, okay, that are opposed to the things of God. And instead of the church being over here with the things of God, typically the church follows about two or three steps behind wherever the world is. Whatever society says, instead of the church wanting to be righteous and wanting to be holy and to follow God, oftentimes the problem that we find is is that the church is just a step or two away from the world. It's a tragedy in our country today. It's a tragedy that, that instead of the church being the church, instead of the church standing up and saying things are wrong, it is not wrong. Listen to me. It is not wrong, it is not hatred, it is not bigotry to tell someone who is living in disobedience to the word of God that it's sin. That is not wrong. God desires that of us. It is the most loving, kind, gracious thing you could ever do. It's the most gracious thing you could ever do is to share with someone about God's demands for righteousness and holiness. It's the most gracious thing that if we love people, the most kind and loving thing we could ever do is to teach them and to point them in the ways of God. It's not hatred. It's not bigotry. It's not some kind of uh, mean-spiritedness to tell people that sin is sin and it's wrong. That it's not acceptable before God. It may be acceptable in other places, but it's not acceptable before God. Unfortunately, the church is usually just a few steps behind popular culture in their beliefs and in their norms. Before long, listen to me, before long, the church is going to be debating why it's okay to smoke a little weed. Now, I promise you, you wait and see, you mark my words, before long, it's going to, the church is going to be debating, well, What's the matter with a little bit of heroin? And you will have theologians, liberal theologians, who will find some Greek word and and they'll come up with some kind of crazy argument why it's okay for your children to be smoking dope and be getting high and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And if we are not careful, people are going to be deceived. Society might accept these norms and churches might accept... I never thought that... 20 years, you know, as a little boy, that's more 20 years ago, but 30, you know, I, I still feel young, it's, but I never thought that the church would, would debate whether or not homosexuality is a sin. All you got to do is read Romans chapter one. 
we got to debate it. we got to argue it. I never thought that that would take place, but society might accept these norms and churches may accept them. But please understand us. There is one place it will never be accepted. There's a place where the norms of society will never, ever enter in. Nothing will ever enter into it that will defile it. There's a place that they may accept it in churches. They may accept it in our government. You may accept it in your home. But there's a place that these things will never enter in. And listen to what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's the next line say? Do not be deceived. Why do you think that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said to them, now Corinth was a very immoral city. Corinth had all kinds of crazy stuff going on in that city, all the kind of idolatry, all kind of evil, and all kind of wickedness. Why do you think he wrote to the church, do not be deceived? Okay, because it's going to get worse. Why else? Because God said so? Yeah. Because people are going to be deceived. The reason why he said don't be deceived is because there's going to be many people who will be deceived. And he says, I don't want you to be one of those who are deceived. He says, don't believe the lie. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't accept this. They're going to try to push this on you, and people are going to try to make you believe something else and cause you to accept something else. But he says to them, do not be deceived. And what does he say? Neither the sexually immoral. How many of you can see that? Okay, let's read it together, if we can read it. It says, neither, out loud, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now, who is he writing to? He's writing to people who have been washed he's uh, you probably can't see who've been washed who've been sanctified who have been justified in the name of the lord jesus christ and by the spirit of god he's writing to the church and who what is he saying to the church don't be you got that this message is for the church we can talk about you know it's kind of funny i watch sometimes when preachers preach and and you know we'll pick out some bad guy and we'll yell and scream and holler and rant. And everyone's like, yeah, that was a great message. But he's talking to the church. He's saying to you, don't you be deceived. Don't you believe the lie. Don't you accept any teaching or any wind of doctrine that just comes down the point. Don't be misled. What is he saying don't be misled about? That the sexually immoral, nor adulterer, idolater, nor adulterer, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkard, nor the slanderer, nor the swindler, will inherit the kingdom of God. See, it's not just the homosexual who will spend eternity separated from God. That's what he says. 
They will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can give them all kinds of rights, give them insurance, you can marry them, you know, you can do whatever you want, you can normalize that, but the Bible very clearly says that men who sleep with men will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, you know, a lot of Christians are like, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, praise the Lord, Pastor, I'm glad you're taking a stand on that. But, but notice it says something else. It says the sexually immoral. See, people want to jump on the homosexual thing and be smart and rude and harsh to the homosexuals. But listen, the sexually immoral, what that means? That means to our young people, your sons and daughters, your sons and daughters, my son and daughter. The world wants to tell them it's okay to do whatever they want and they can still be a Christian. You can still be in youth group and you might still come into church But the Bible says that if you're sexually immoral, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That will not enter into heaven. That will not defile. That will, sexual immorality, if you're living in sexual immorality, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what the word of God says. It's flat out, it's clear, it's straightforward. You know what that also means? That also means the adulterer. That also means men and women who are in the church, not just the world, but the man and the, the woman who's in the church, who's married, who's slipping out on the side, visiting somebody. You know what it says? I don't care what, you can hold an office in the church and we may never know anything ever happened. You can hold a title. You can run for mayor. You know, I, I wouldn't encourage you to run for too high of a political office because everybody's going to expose you when you do that, okay? But you can hold any title that you want They can pastor the largest church in town. But the Bible says this, the sexually immoral, the adulterer, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you can speak in tongues all day long. You can sing. You can even pay your tithes. Do you know where you're not going to enter in? You are not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean? Where does the adulterer spend eternity? He spends eternity separated from God. Where is that? The Bible says in the last days, the death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire. At the final judgment, that death and Hades will be cast into the lake of fire. So the man or the woman who sits in church every week and commits adultery is going to spend, if they do not repent and turn from their sins, they will spend eternity in the lake of fire separated from God. I don't care how much money you gave. I don't care what church you're a member of. I don't care how many good deeds you've done. If you are living in adultery, if you're disobeying God in that way, then the word says you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me go on a little bit further. I'm glad that you came today. If you're stealing... If you're stealing and you don't repent of that, it's not just the sexually immoral. It's not just the adulterer. It's not just the homosexual. But if you're a thief, if you're stealing and you do not repent and turn from that, that will exclude you. Your sin will exclude you from the kingdom of heaven. The drunkard will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. The slanderer will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. If you're a single person and you're living with your boyfriend or you're sleeping with your girlfriend, do you know what? That does not, listen to me, that does not go with Christian. That does not go with disciple of Jesus. The word very clearly says that the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. 
You see, there's a lot of people who they think, well, you know what, it's okay. See, because what's happened is we've watered down the gospel. You know, the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news that you don't have to be controlled by every passion or every desire. That the world would want to tell you that you're an animal and you just got to do what you got to do. But friends, you and I have the power of the Holy Spirit available to us to cause us to live godly lives, to live different from the rest of the world. And there's going to be many people, the Bible says this, it says that broad is the way to destruction and many there be that follow it. Narrow is the way that it leads to eternal life, and few there be that find that. So do you realize this? I would encourage you to come on Wednesday night. You'll hear more. Do you realize this, that the reality of it is, according to Scripture, that more people are going to hell than are going to heaven. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to to eternal life. Many there be that follow the broad way. Few there be that follow the narrow way that leads to eternal life. So the reality of it is what we've come to believe. See, it used to be people had to blush. They don't blush anymore. They don't blush. It used to be that people, you know, it wasn't that long ago if you got your girlfriend pregnant, you were embarrassed there was a stigma in our society that said that that's wrong. It's not wrong now. So, well, you know, you know what happens. And, you know, what was happened is the church, because this, in this idea of loving people, this idea of loving people and accepting people, what we've done is we've gone a little bit too far in this idea of loving people and accepting them. But what we think is that they've come to believe that, well, it's okay if we just live together. It's okay if we just sleep with whoever. It's okay because Jesus loves us. Unfortunately, there's going to be millions of people who on Judgment Day are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're going to hear, they're going to have attended church. They may have grown up in church. They may come every once in a while. They may come every week. They may serve in offices in churches or be pastors of churches. And they're going to stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to say, is their name written in the Lamb's book of life? Let me say something. This says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Why? Because the enemy wants to deceive you. This word says, don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. Don't Buy into the lie. Don't listen to what society says. Don't listen. Society says, oh, if you guys want to sleep together, it's not that big of a deal. You're not hurting anybody. You're adults. That's not what the word says. Oh, as long as nobody knows, who are we hurting? That's what the world says. That's not what the word says. The word says, don't be deceived the sexually immoral idolaters, adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, it goes down to the list, will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. They won't inherit the kingdom. What, what that means is they are going to spend eternity separated from God. Now, what are our two choices in eternity? You either have eternity, eternal life with God, heaven. The funny thing is, even unreligious people at funerals all believe in heaven. They're all believing in heaven. It's, it's, it blows my mind. People who don't want anything to do with God. Oh, Aunt Bessie, she's in a better place. 
I just know she, Aunt Bessie's in a better place. Aunt Bessie probably isn't in a better place. If she doesn't know Jesus Christ, she's in the worst place she ever could imagine being. And there's going to be many who will stand before God that day on the judge, at the judgment seat of Christ, and they're going to hear these words. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Huh? No, but, but I went to church. I was a member. I said the prayer. The word is God, you depart from me, you worker of iniquity. What's a worker of iniquity? It's a person who practices sin. That They practice it. They don't fight against sin. They don't flee from sin. They indulge themselves in sin. And the person who does that is going to hear, depart from me, and they are going to be cast into the lake of fire where they will spend eternity being tormented by the enemy. Now, I'm going to ask you something. Does it sound like love? Does it sound like love? To not tell them. To not warn them. To not... Tell them to flee. Does it sound like love if we tell them, oh, yeah, just go ahead and do what you're doing? On that judgment day, there's going to be a lot of people. I believe with all my heart, there's going to be people who are going to be saying, Grandpa, why didn't you say something to me? I believe that we will be there. I believe it. I believe we'll witness it. I don't think this is going to be a private thing. I think this is going to be a public thing. And I believe we'll be there. And there are going to be people. Where I believe we're going to be there. And we're going to see people and hear people who say, Grandpa, Why didn't you stop me? Mom, why didn't you say something? Dad, why did you let this go on? Pastor, why didn't you care enough about me to tell me that I'm wrong? Why were you so concerned about making me happy or or making me feel good? See, it does people no good to make them feel comfortable in their sin. And if you're living in disobedience to God, I hope that you feel miserable today. Can I tell you why? Because I honestly care about you, and I want to see you spend eternity with Jesus Christ. I've been reading a little bit about what hell is going to be like, and even if you are mean to me and spit on me I, and kicked me in the head every day that you walked in here, I do not want you to go there. And so if we love people, it's vital. It's, it is not love to tell people, to allow people to go on in disobedience. That's not love. Love is telling them the truth in hopes that they will escape the enemy's snare. But why are we preaching this to the church? Because the apostle Paul knew that there were going to be many in the church who were going to fall asleep. There were going to be many in the church who would just become comfortable in their sin and their disobedience. And because I come to church or because I don't feel convicted anymore. Well, I can tell you the answer to that. Uh, Your conscience has been seared with a hot iron. That's the problem. That's the issue. The issue is that God did not, he didn't edit this because you're around. Oh, Pastor Joe, I didn't know that you were here. Now that Pastor Joe's here, oh, we can take this one out. We'll take this. This is the eight commandments because of Pastor Joe. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say, well, Ryan's a good guy. Let's just pull this one out. You know, Ryan wants to do it. So let's let Ryan do it because, you know, Ryan's special to me. He doesn't say that. God gives us his word. His word does not change. And society may change. The mores of society, what people say are acceptable may change. But before God, it will never change. Okay? We're not being progressive. We're not being progressive by allowing people to live in sin and disobedience. It's so funny. People think they're being progressive. That we're in the stone ages. But what you will see is you look at society. When the morals of a society degenerate that society eventually implodes upon itself. 
All you got to do is look at history. Again and again and again, this search for pleasure, this search for doing whatever it is that I want to do, again and again, history has proven itself over and over and over again that it brings about destructions of a whole society, of a whole people. I believe there's a battle for the hearts and the minds of our nation. With these negative things going on, what should the church be doing? Because we've laid out for you kind of an ugly picture, okay? Um, What should the church be doing? One thing is we need to fight against being deceived. We understand that. Don't allow yourself to be deceived. The first thing we should be doing is we should be praying for our leaders. We should be praying for our leaders. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 says this, I urge then, first of all, first thing, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. What is God's desire? God's desire is that all people be saved and that all people come to a knowledge of the truth. The first matter of business for the church is prayer. We should be praying on a regular basis for the leaders of this nation. Whether you agree with them or not, you and I are called to pray for our governors, for our our senators, for our president, for the House of Representatives. You and I are called by God to pray for them. Paul's writing to Timothy at a time in which much of the world is under the Roman dominance. The Romans permitted, one thing about the Roman Empire, they permitted subject peoples to worship their own gods. But they had to show their loyalty to Rome by also worshiping the goddess Roma and the spirit of the emperor. Because Jewish people worshiped one god to the exclusion of all others, Rome allowed them to pray and sacrifice for, not to, but for the emperor, without praying and sacrificing to him. Prayers were offered for him regularly in the synagogues, showing the loyalty of these Jewish institutions to the Roman state. When the zealots decided to throw off the Roman yoke for God, they abolished these sacrifices in the temple. And what they were in essence doing, this is about 66 AD, what they in essence were doing constituted a virtual declaration of war against Rome. Christian public prayers for the emperor and for the provincial and local leaders showed Christians as good citizens of a society in which they lived. But Paul's motive is more than keeping peace. His desire was so that the gospel can go forth, okay? He says, we need to pray for those in authority. We need to pray for leaders so that the gospel can go forth and so that people can hear the good news. Do any of you know who the Roman emperor was during the time this letter was written that Paul told these people to pray for? Roman emperor? Anyone ever hear of the name Nero? That's the guy who made human torches in his thing. Second point, 
What should the church be doing? The church should be loving people. In the days in which we live and whenever things are getting tough and and when we get concerned about the direction of our nation, the church needs to be loving people. And, And you know, there is a real division among people in our nation. There are resentments between the haves and the have-nots. There's division between Republicans and Democrats. There's division among the races. It's amazing throughout history, all of the reasons that people come up with for disliking or looking down on someone else before they ever even meet them. It's amazing the prejudices that people have in their hearts. And one of the great sins, I think, that goes unaddressed in the church is is the sin of prejudice. I believe it's a huge stronghold that often goes undetected, but often comes out subtly. Prejudice is an attitude of the heart that looks down upon someone else simply because they're different. It may be the nation of origin, the language that they speak, the color of their skin. The funny thing is, is when a person is prejudiced, they can find any number of reasons to look down on someone else and to feel justified in doing so. And they often say, those people. Well, who are those people? Oh, they have an accent. They grew up in the country. They grew up in the city. They're a blue-collar worker. They're a white-collar worker. They're poor and lazy. They're rich and selfish. You know, we live in a great country. We honestly live in, I believe, the greatest country on the earth. However, in spite of how great our country is, there have been horrible injustices and exploitation of people simply because they were different, because they were vulnerable. And there are huge walls of resentment that exist between races because of things such as slavery, broken treaties with the American Indians, the imprisonment of Japanese immigrants during World War II. And and oftentimes, people want to gloss over those things. There's absolutely no reason under the sun why someone else should be your slave. Abusing people, there's no justification for that. And these types of things, this this mistreatment of... and, And you know what? It's happened from the beginning of time. It's amazing how horrible people can be to other human beings. It's not just happened in America. It happens all over this planet. People hating someone else, usually because ignorance. It's usually what it is. We make someone else our enemy without even ever knowing them. William Seymour, I have a picture of him. William Seymour was the pastor of the Azusa Street Mission in Los Angeles, California in the early 1900s. The Azusa Street Mission has become known as the birthplace of the modern-day Pentecostal movement. Over 600 million people around the world consider themselves either spirit-filled or charismatic. And the vast majority of those trace their roots back to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. The Assemblies of God started a number of years after that revival, but traced their roots back there. But before the revival started, Mr. Seymour, listen to this. 
He had a hunger for God. He was an evangelist. He had a hunger for God, and he just wanted more of God. And he, and he heard about this teaching on the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And there was a, a Bible college in Topeka, Kansas. Mr. Seymour wanted to go to that Bible college. And he applied to the Bible college. And because of the attitudes of the society at that time, and because of the attitudes of the leaders, they let him attend. But do you know this? Because he was black, he wasn't allowed to sit in the same room. Can you believe that? He had to sit out in the hall. They left the door open, and he sat out in the hall, and he listened. That's less about a hundred years ago. That was the attitudes. When someone mistreats you, it's hard not to get an attitude. When someone looks down on you or treats you wrong, it's hard not to get resentful and bitter. I want to tell you something. All of us, no matter who we are, have had experiences in our lives, maybe not like Mr. Seymour had. All of us have had experiences in our lives that we have an opportunity to get resentful and bitter about. We got an opportunity to be resentful and bitter. I really appreciate the writings if you read about Mr. Seymour. He was, had such a humble heart, and he wanted God so much. And he was able to hurdle over that. He was able to overcome that. I didn't become the thing that controlled his life. He was able to have a humble heart and to forgive people. And a few years later, out in Azusa Street, at a little mission that was, had been, uh, it was like a livery stable. They turned it into a church. The Holy Spirit was poured out under this man's leadership in such a powerful way that it shook the world. It shook, listen to me, it shook the world. The beautiful thing about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit there at Azusa Street was this. At that time, early 1900s, it was just ripe. It was ripe. People from Asia, a lot of Asian folks. You know, I, when I went to California, can I tell you what I thought everybody was going to look like? I was thinking everyone in California is going to be blonde surfers. <laughs> How many of you have been to California? The area we were in, I wasn't seeing a lot of blonde surfers. Okay? I thought they were all going to be blonde surfers. That's not what it was. I was surprised how many people, like, oh, wow, there's a lot of people from Asia here. A lot of people from South America. A lot of people from all over the world. I thought everyone was like a blonde, you know, surfer girl and a surfer boy. The cool thing about there at that time, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they had just finished putting in a new railroad and a bunch of streetcars. So everywhere within two or three blocks... People could be on a streetcar and could be at Azusa Street from all over, from Long Beach, all around that area. They just put in this thing. But the neat thing about there was when the Holy Spirit was poured out, there was this incredible move of God. And it wasn't about your education because God would speak through an uneducated immigrant and she may give a word of prophecy and would be God's messenger for that day. 
Do you see how the Holy Spirit elevates people? The Holy Spirit does not trample people down. The Holy Spirit always elevates people and lifts them up. And so what they had was this this incredible diversity there. In the newspaper, you can go read the history books. The newspapers wrote all kinds of mean-spirited, hateful articles about this revival. And one of the things that they slammed them about was that there were people from all over the world, all different races, all different ethnicities, different people who spoke different languages, and all kinds of stuff from all over were gathered in this one place and receiving from God. I'm so glad that Mr. Seymour did not allow bitterness or resentment to fill his heart. Here's the reality. If you or I have ever been a victim, you know, I have a rather large head. I didn't choose it. I could lose some weight and that would help. But this head's pretty big. I didn't choose it that way. We can change the color of our hair. And uh, with contact lenses, you can change the color of your eyes. And, And, you know, nowadays, if you have enough money plastic surgery, you can change the shape of your features and stuff. But I didn't choose my great-grandfather. I didn't choose my great-grandmom. I didn't choose my mom and dad. I didn't choose where I was born. I didn't choose so many things. I didn't choose the size of my head. I hope that people would, if they don't like me, I hope it because of something within my heart or my character that they don't like not about things I have no control over. I would hope it, how, how unfair. In the times that we're living, what the world needs to see is a church that loves people. I, like, I don't really care where you came from. I don't care who your grandmom was or your great-grandmom. That really has nothing to do uh, with anything. One of the things I appreciate about our church, I remember uh, when our kids were little, we had... It was Jordan. Some of you might remember Horace and Jordan. And then Joe and Shirley, a little foster girl. And she's, she was in nursery. And she says, hey, you brown like me. <laughs> One of the things is that I appreciate, you know, a lot of places, if, if you're Jewish, if you're Italian, if you're Polish, you know, people don't like them because it's crazy. I'm glad my kids can know people. And know a name. Eddie's my friend. That's Eddie. Eddie's also a Puerto Rican. But he's my friend. Frank's a bald guy. (laughs) But he's still my friend. Mr. Kramer's Jewish. He's my friend. He's John. He's not the Jewish guy. He's John. Sam has a nice tan. (laughs) Sam's my friend. Listen to me. I know that people have a lot of things, but the church of Jesus Christ should love people because they're people. doesn't matter whether they're tall. You know, there's prejudices. You know what? There's prejudices because of education. There's people, there's, there's prejudices and resentments because people have money. Because someone's been successful in their business, there's other people who just hate them because of that. My cousin, she, you know, everything's been handed to them. There's prejudices about that. There's prejudices of people looking down on one another because they've got an education or don't have an education because they live somewhere or grew up in the South or grew up in the city or grew up in the, in the country. And Man, it's just such foolishness. 
I believe God's desire is that we love people just simply because they're people. Each of us are created in the image of God. And what makes you better than anybody else? Like, really, what about you makes you any better than anybody else? The third point that I want to talk to you about. What I was saying is I appreciate that my kids, that they get to know people for people. Isn't that nice? Here in our church, my kids get to know people for people. And it's not like them or those. It's, that's my friend. Even if Frank is bald. Because I'm getting that way. I'm teasing Frank. Frank knows that. Third thing the church needs to be doing is we need to be putting our hope in God. During the time of Jesus, people thought, Jesus, is now the time? Are you going to establish your kingdom? And when you establish your kingdom, can I have the seat at your right hand? They thought Jesus was going to revolt against Rome. Okay, What their thought was is a Messiah was going to come and he's going to revolt against Rome and there's going to be a political uprising and we're going to have all of this stuff taking place. But God had a much different plan. He was establishing a different kind of kingdom. May I remind you this today? It doesn't matter who's in office. It doesn't matter who the governor is. God's the one who gives him breath. It doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter who, whoever thinks they're in control. God is still, you listen to me. God is still in control. You may think, you know, it's funny how man sometimes thinks he's in control. I want you to understand, not even on his pinky does the world spin. It's not even big enough to be on his pinky. I mean, God has the world in his hand. God is in control. He's over all. And he is able to accomplish his his purposes and his will. God will use Democrat or Republican. God will use times of blessing. And God will use times of famine to accomplish his purposes and his plans. Psalms 43 verse 5 says this, why my soul? Are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. After the election, I think there were some people who were discouraged. Why are you downcast? The Republican, the Democrat, my hope is not. My hope's not built on Joe Biden and Mitt Romney or Barack Obama or Ron Paul or... Rush Limbaugh or anybody. My hope is built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And I already know how it ends. You know how it ends. It's already been established how, it's in, how it ends. And we've already decided. I know that in eternity, I'm going to rule and reign with him. I know that Jesus Christ, that every enemy of God will one day bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. I know this, that in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. And the old men are going to dream dreams. And there's going to be visions and all these things taking place. That's the promise of God's word. So where is my hope? My hope is in the Lord. And the other thing is this, don't get too comfortable here. Because this is not our real home. We've been storing up treasures 
in heaven. God has so much better in store for us. But as we close, I want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you, first of all, that you don't let anybody deceive you. That you don't become lulled asleep and think that some of the things that you know in your heart, that's not what God wants for me. That you don't accept that stuff. That you don't let someone tell you that evil is good and good is evil. Don't do that. I want to encourage you that as the church that we be praying for those who are in authority, praying on a regular basis, praying for the outpouring of God's spirit, that we be loving people and accepting people, not accepting sin, but loving people for who they are. What you're going to see is you're going to see God bring in people who, whose lives are messed up and those who are lost and those who are, things are out of control because it's, it's perilous times are going to come in the last days. And people are going to be looking for somebody who's different, not somebody who's just a step behind them. They want to see the church being the church. As we close it, I want to give an opportunity for you. If we're here today, and you know the Holy Spirit spoke to you about some things in your life that don't belong there, you need to get right with God. I want to give you that opportunity. We're going to pray with you in just a moment. And if you've been believing, some folks have been believing, they've been accepting the lies of this world. That, well, I guess it's not that big of a deal. I, I guess immorality is not that big of a deal. I guess God's okay with us lying or cheating or stealing or these other things. And the Holy Spirit's just speaking to you, man. He's saying, don't be deceived. Holy Spirit, I just pray for the next few moments. I pray that you'd speak to the hearts and to the minds of your people. I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say. In the name of Jesus.